This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to episode 35 of the Dishonomics podcast. A big shout out to everybody who gave me feedback on the previous one. RE Tax Havens, how the rich and wealthy finesse a tax man by hiding their money in these clever places called tax havens. Make sure you check that out. You're bound, you're bound to learn a lot and that might be useful for you one day, I hope, when you guys start to make that big money. But anyway, episode 35. This one is with regards to International Men's Day, which is today, well, the day I'm recording, which is Sunday the 19th of November, November 2017. And I thought, it would be good to recognise this day. I'm not really a big fan of these days, but I thought this is a good opportunity for me to talk about with the inequities in society that pertains to men. Um, I'm sure many of us are aware of how men are viewed in today's society. There's been quite a lot of pressure on men in general from all corners of the world, obviously with the inequities that uh, women suffer in society, which is understandable. But... I believe it's got to the point where people's passion has kind of got the better of them in certain regards. And it's got to the point where it's almost as if people believe that men live this rosy life that as a man you have all these advantages and there's no drawbacks whatsoever due to this society that you created. And it's a word you use um, loosely because most of us don't have an impact on decisions made. There's only a small minority of people, but that's for another day. So I thought, okay, cool. Let me use this opportunity to kind of maybe bring things from more of the male point of view. Me personally, when I see stuff like men are trash or this anti-men stuff, it doesn't really bother me as a person. No, what people say doesn't bother me. Like, I'm quite an independent thinker. It doesn't bother me. But I've seen the impact it's had on other people and narratives. And you know me, I hate an inaccurate narrative. So I thought, let me use the opportunity to provide a bit more of a balanced argument. And many of us may not even know some of the things I might tell you or have taken in whether you're a man or a woman, or a girl or a boy or whatever. So yeah, I thought, let me use this opportunity to discuss some of these terms. In fact, firstly, a big shout out to my father, who I believe is the greatest man I've ever come across. Somebody who's literally sacrificed his whole life for the sake of my mother and my other siblings. He always puts us first. He's had to go through a stressful life in the UK, as obviously a Nigerian who came through when he was, what, 20 years old. He had to deal with a lot of racism, a lot of microaggressions. And 
never has he come home and taken out his frustration on us. Like, when I say never, I mean never. So, a big shout out to him, a role model. Uh, one day I hope to make all his sacrifices, you know, worth it. But anyway, enough about me bigging up my dad. Back to International Men's Day. Hello, I thought to start the podcast, but it's what it is. Alright, cool. So, I thought let me go through a few sections where there are some inequities that um, men do suffer. So, to kind of give us more of a balanced argument and understanding and maybe create a positive dialogue to kind of help us understand each other, each other's experiences, the rea- each other's realities, and come to conclusions that could potentially better society as a whole for men and women. But obviously, as I said, this is a kind of more of a male-centric pod. So, let's start off the more economical factors, as this is, obviously, course, dysnomics. We already know that in many nations, men out-earn women. But this comes as a cost. And I realised this cost myself in a lesser terms, just working myself. Like, the more money you earn, it's not like you do, it's very difficult to earn substantially more money and putting in the same amount of work, unless you're a wizard and I respect you and you need to teach everybody else. As I said in a previous podcast that, I think the podcast before last, episode 33, check that out. We tend to get paid on our productivity. The more productive you are, the more you get paid. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense for business to pay you X amount when your productivity is minus X, if you understand. Men, foolishly, in my opinion, tend to work a lot longer hours. A lot more riskier jobs, a lot more dangerous jobs, which I'll explain further in the other segment, which obviously does help men earn more than women. And obviously, there's going to be like some form of sexual discrimination in certain industries which we'll discuss in fact next week podcast of my boy dams quick plug we're going to discuss gender gender pay and equal pay the difference between both he's like an expert in that field so stay tuned for that that would be a good one so yeah as i said men tend to work longer hours and are willing to take jobs with longer working hours these people are ins- men are insane in this regard in my opinion and uh a professor from, from, from a university in Canada, I think his name is Jordan Peterson, he has like a quick a segment on this one of his YouTube videos and it's really good. He gave examples like, you see like women who go to law school, kill, cane law school, get into a good, um, get into a good um, lawyer firm, a good legal firm, should I say, cane it, they make partner by age 30, they can make partner by age 30 if they want to. But then, they see the work-life balance and think, bleed this, I'm not doing that because the risk reward is not worth it in terms of life. And that's smart. For some strange reason, don't get me wrong, there is a glass there can be a glass door for ethnic minorities as well as women. But there's also I think women are probably more intelligent in terms of the work life balance um, choices. And men sh- in my opinion stupidly will go will be overrepresented in these jobs where you work 70, 80 working hours a week or travelling back and forth. Even when you come home on your Blackberry on your laptop. And what does this effect have in you? I think this has a massive effect on your family life and your mental health and your happiness in general because you're working all these hours you don't have the time to spend the money. In fact, you're probably the main spender um, the main contributor in terms of like household bills and stuff. Sorry, I just coughed. You're the main provider in terms of those um housing bills, etc. All that, all that malarkey. You don't get enough time to spend, with, let's say, with your partner. You don't get enough time to spend with your kids. But you're still working, working, working. And that makes men tired. And that could probably be one of the big contributing factors to 
why men end up in certain negative mental states. Men are crazy. And I think as men, we need to stop doing this. We need to. We need to think more roundly when it comes to um, employment decisions. Who, when you think about it, why would you want to work 40, 80 hours on the high stress levels? And if you make a mistake in your company because you're quite far up, it has massive ramifications. How many times have you heard people throw themselves off buildings in Canary Wharf? Most of them are men. Me personally, I'm not trying to spend my whole life working like a dog when I have, when I'm, I hopefully will have a beautiful wife and family and friends that I can spend time with. So as men, we need to really address that issue. Homelessness. Via homelessness.org.uk, 71% of homeless people are men. That is a humongous discrepancy. 71%. And, 70, and if you look at the vast majority of homeless people, 75% of them are in between the ages of 18 and 45. So those are in between the ages where you're in your prime working conditions. Those are your highest... That's probably where you make the most of your money in terms of working. And to me, that's kind of hand-in-hand hand with the issues I spoke about prior in terms of men have this pressure to work and earn a lot. So if... 75% of homeless people are between those ages 18 and 45 and most of them are going to be men that's a massive issue that pressure to earn could lead to mental health issues as well 85% of homeless people have reported a mental health difficulty and this is something that I don't believe that we talk about and I believe especially us Londoners if you're a Londoner listening to this we see homeless people as furniture and I'm guilty of this too we walk past them in the streets like they're just there they're on a train, we'll pass them, they're just there. When it really hit me was probably the Christmas period of 2015. I was working for a firm in St. Catherine Stock area. And then it's like about, it's like a seventh floor building, quite nice building. In that building, it has um, a law firm and a county firm that, do, do, that dominate the floors. So there's a fire alarm and then we have to walk through this like tunnel under Tower Bridge to like um like a grass place where you, you reconvene. And I was one of the last people leaving because I was because I knew it was a fire drill, I was packing my bags, I was looking for my jacket because I was on a different part of the building because I wasn't standing outside in the cold in the damn jacket. You can forget that. So I was one of the last people leaving the building. So I'm walking past this homeless man and I can see his cut because it's big and it's see-through and it's got nothing in it. So as everybody's coming back into the building, bear in mind these are all professionals whether it be legal secretaries accountants management accountants um, attorneys partners whatever these all people earning a, a decent amount of money again i'm one of the last people coming back because i didn't really go back to work so i was moving mad slow just checking my phone freely but i have to look over my shoulder for managers and i was probably the second to last or maybe last back and i looked in this man's cup and it was exactly the same as it was as people walked past him the net worth of people walking past him in total, millions. Nobody gave him a damn penny. Including me, but I never carry cash. That's my excuse. But even if I have loose change, I walk past a homeless person, and more time I drop it. Because I started to feel bad. You see what I'm saying? But, boy, it's, it's a massive issue. We just see these people's furniture, and that's, and that's horrendous from a humanitarian point of view. Another region, paternity pay. Why, if you go on the UK gov section and just type in paternity pay it will tell you clearly paternity leave can get you legislation no paternity leave can get you one to two weeks paid of paid leave 
you may not get both the leave and pay. So it's still up in the air and it's one to two weeks. So that's the leave you get as a man excluding, potentially excluding your partner's uh, maternity leave. How do you expect to address the imbalances between men and women and raising children when you have these type of disparities in paid in paid working leave? We know we already know that women get 52 weeks um like 30 of uh, 36 or so i can't remember the figure 90 percent of your wage or above 147 pound per week i've got a blog post on this www.thisnomics.com forward slash blog floor slash 006 where i say we need to change this to make it more beneficial for women so we can increase productivity long run so check that out but if you have legislation like this how on earth do you expect to get more men providing the help and partnership in raising of kids when they simply can't afford to have the time off it's insane they launched a like a paternity level split where so it's like um a split paternity leave spl in 2015 whereas not that why i spoke about the 52 weeks that women get off like men and women like in a partnership they can split those time off which doesn't make sense financially for many families so i looked at some researchers from various bodies in terms of like the numbers of men that have actually gone out and taken this spl leave and actually, let me give you a fact let me give you firstly some survey results 48 percent of men say they won't take up any parental leave and a third of them said it because they can't actually can't afford to and to give you an, an example of the attitudes between these men surveyed so you really got a third saying they can't because they physically can't afford to no they financially can't afford to not physically and out of the 52 percent of the ones those who said they would they cited the, the vast majority said because they want to spend time with their child and they want to share the parental duties one of my good friends dr lee who was on my nhs podcast said that we have this view of fathers as deadbeat and don't what don't give a damn about their children which i believe is quite false if you look at actually look at what is going on in society men will actually relish a chance to actually be more involved in their kids lives and in parenting duties if the finances allow them to i think we need to dispel this narrative that on default men are deadbeat dads and half-assed because they're and we just don't even address the fact that some mothers and maybe even single mothers or dual parent mothers may be also deadbeat as well We've got to look at things on a case-by-case basis and not stop putting that poisonous narrative. But anyway, yeah, I wanted to just point that out. As I said, 52% said they want to share the parental responsibilities and be at home with their child. A violation from the Working Families Association, SPL leave won't be taken up unless it's financially beneficial to the families in question. So obviously, if the number's not adding up on a monthly, when it gets to on a month-by-month financial basis, why would the men take it up when the families will be in a worse off position to raise their child and maintain their finances. That's insane. Although this um, initiative was launched two years ago, 2015, only 1% of men have taken up the shared parental leave as of April 2017. Again, it's just not cost effective. Research from My My Family Care and also Women's Business Council showed that of all the companies that they surveyed, only 40% had, no, 40% had, did not have a single father who had taken up SPL. Again, 
it's just not financially conducive. And let me give you a quick quote from the TUC General Secretary Francis O'Grady. If the government is serious about men being more involved after their child is born, then they should increase statutory paternity pay and make shared paternity leave more flexible. They should give all the new dads a right to their own paid maternity leave that is not dependent on their partners. Facts. Straight up facts. If you want to see parentship, parentals, (laughs) I can't say the word, but you know what I mean, (laughs) as a dual responsibility for men and women, which it absolutely is and should be, then you have to show that legislation. Until then, you're creating an imbalance. And I, and I feel very strongly about this because I was fortunate enough that my dad uh, worked nights so he, for the benefit of our family so he could spend time with us as well. And that I think that made a big difference to me and my brothers and my, and my annoying sister that we had both of our parents putting in the work to raise both of us and I think we benefited from that. But not all families have that luxury. So I believe that it's very important for fathers to have the opportunity as well as stepping up, which I'll address later, to be in their children's lives and to assist mothers in raising their children. Okay, so that's with the paternity pay. Now, dangerous jobs. Men are overrepresented, for lack of a better term, in jobs that are in dangerous jobs. So these are jobs like garages, agricultural, build, build, building works, trash and recycling, manufacturing, police, army, firemen etc a quick stat to symbolize this fatal injuries which is basically when um, a employee dies in work 97% of fatalities for workers in 2016 slash 2017 were men not 9.7 97 so for every 100 97 were men that is an astronomically humongous disparity but because again men we ourselves are silly enough to occupy these jobs. We have to be more diverse in our thinking and try not to put ourselves at risk because we still have families and friends that care for us or we may de- all depend on us or we may depend on them. This is not highlighted enough in society, for, in my opinion, and that's an inequity. Now, on a more health side, and I'm not no doctor, you have to shout out my boy Dr. Lee for this stuff. But just a couple quick pointers. Suicides, RE mental health. Suicide rate for men is alarming. Men occupy 75% of the suicide in the UK as of 2015. 75%. And when you look at the young to middle age group, it's up in the 80s. So that probably ties in with a lot of the stuff I mentioned earlier with men going for working longer hours, not getting to spend as much time with their family and friends, working in dangerous jobs or jobs with high stress level. And then that leads to mental health, which could also lead to homelessness, which also lead to, we could also lead to just death if you're in a dangerous work environment. This is not good. This is not talked about enough. And I remember, I think it was last year, the year before, I actually watched a committee meeting in the House of Parliament, House of Commons, sorry, about this. And not only was there hardly anybody there, but a lot of the MPs were point scoring and trying to bring it back to women. And it's not a disrespectful thing to the women um, 
members of parliament or committee members that were there. But this is an issue that the discrepancy there is huge. You can't keep relating it back to, oh, but women suffer. No, 75% of men, of suicidal victims are men. That is a massive discrepancy. There's something that we need to look at. Life expectancy. God damn, literally every single country I've checked, even African countries where, there's, where there has been like loads of wars and stuff like that, women outlive men consistently. In every single EU country, women outlive men. I was checking South Africa, Gambia, Somalia, Sudan, all, all, the, all various types of countries, women outlive men, in some cases by 10 years. There's a lot of reasons for this, which some I've mentioned earlier and some I'm going to mention, but that's something that we don't, we kind of like sweep under the carpet. We just expect women, like, there's a reason for that. And that's due to inequities in society. And we're at, and men are at the root cause of that, which is also bad. But I'll go into that in further detail later. Educational. There's massive disparities in the higher education as well as lower level education. I was doing some research. According to HESA, and I just compiled the numbers together and did quick percentages and stuff like that. Not percentages, I lied. <laughs> From 2015-2016 figures, they showed that if, if I total, I totaled up the full amount of um, students part-time, and a full amount of students full-time. There is astronomically way more females in university and higher education than men. In fact, there is more females, there's almost more females in full-time education than there is males in full-time and part-time education combined. So there's, as of 2015-2016, there is 1,057,310 uh, female higher education students compared to 784,605 male students that's almost a discrepancy of quarter million that's humongous and we and many of us know that traditionally uh, girls outperform boys in GCSE level and A level and we see a lot of young boys being disproportion- disproportionately and diagnosed with ADHD because they don't be- because, simply because they don't behave in the same way especially young black male students and we also see a massive discrepancy in um exclusion especially young young black male students who are 3.5 times more likely to be suspended from school that's a discrepancy of 350 percent which is just mind-boggling judicial actually no before i move on to judicial the fact that there is a quarter million more um <laughs> Um, young ladies, or in some cases maybe young, maybe not young um, students than men, and it's completely like kind of swept on the carpet. That's kind of crazy to me, because we've seen like obviously the discrepancies in gender pay, which is about seven percent in the UK, and that's discussed at length. And there's plenty of reasons for it to be discussed at length, and there's lots of discussions and conclusions that we can draw from that, and it's a good debate to have. But the discrepancy in higher education is simply not spoken about enough. And I find that quite interesting. Anyway. If I look at more of a judicial point of view, crime sentencing. Men, especially black men, but men in general, are way more likelier to receive a harsher sentencing or be sentenced period than women with similar circumstances. And this is via the Department of Justice. When I say, why I put this out is... The key term here is similar circumstances. So we do. So as you may know, you've probably watched crime TV shows or seen the news or stuff like. 
if you've had previous with the police or previous in court or you've previously been convicted you're more likely to get sentenced or, or maybe harsher punishment for being a repeat offender or being on the radar this statistic um, i mean this um metric or wave however you like to describe it pertains to when the the ball the playing field is leveled everything's almost homogenous so that means man x and woman y both have the same amount of runs with the police or same lack amount of runs police or they could both have nothing on their file and for one for one reason or another men consistently will receive harsher sentences than women which definitely does have a damaging effect on men because once you've been convicted of a crime that exponentially affects how you're viewed by society you now have a criminal offense on your record which can be more difficult to get a job and become a normal member of society again also if you've been in jail for a long enough period of time you kind of become disconnected to society you're viewed differently also when you're in that environment for a long period of time or any full period of time you can maybe pick up the bad habits of other members and that's why we see quite high re-offense numbers and also when i was looking at um gender pay gap um, study from earlier this year by the bbc and also capital moments they've retweeted quite a few times shout out them irish women and caribbean women actually out earn their male counterparts and especially in the case of caribbean um, men and women one of the reasons cited was incarceration so that causes a discrepancy in earning potential so i think that is a big big thing and from some of the things i've read up on this issue is that especially mothers they seem to get a blight because obviously they'll be leaving behind leaving behind a child which kind i can understand to a certain extent but that's just a that's just not fair because i'm sure many plenty males have children as well but then again highlights what i said previously of how society views things is there's an inequity in responsibility for children and this is bad so we spoke about sentencing well let's look at the demographics of crime i'm gonna take some crimes that because even i'm i'm somebody like if i see like my female friend or my sister out at night or on their own i'm just very nervous because i'm like i just don't want them to get in harm's way whatsoever so i'm always like trying to not let them be out at night get them calves or walk with them or whatever have you may but the crazy thing well not really crazy because as a young male who grew up in london i've experienced this and seen this firsthand if you look at the demographics of violent crime and robberies and stuff like that the main victims are men don't get me wrong i know the main perpetrators are men but i'm going to get onto that a bit further but just roll with me so via the office of national of national statistics jesus christ um by 2015 64 percent of homicide victims were male so 64 percent of people who've been killed were male which is slightly lower than previous years because it but it tends to be within a 64 to 69 percent percentile range and even amongst victims like babies so under age one again 64 percent were male but in society in society how we view health and safety especially out and about at night we kind of take we kind of um are more afraid and more cautious with with women the most common method of killing for both genders was via knife or any other sharp objects 36 percent of total killings which then links back to knife crime i saw a knife crime campaign 
earlier this week spearheaded by um, London Mayor Sadiq Khan, which I thought was quite frankly a disgrace and just another example of how little the authorities care about these type of issues. And on a more big scale factor, violence amongst males is normalised. So we have video games where it is like, if you see men fighting, people like to watch it, like, and I could be guilty of that, like, then until I start stopping seeing, like, you know, videos of guys fighting on on YouTube and Twitter and that type of stuff and all those world side hip-hop and all that kind of crap. Like, even stuff like in rap music, if we hear a rapper is linked with sexual assault or sexual harassment, we automatically turn off, most of us, and rightly so, because we shouldn't mess with that type of behaviour. It's disgusting. However... If we know rappers are out here shooting people or Russian man, which for those who don't know, that's groups of people beating somebody up, stabbing man, shooting man, that actually gives them more credibility. Like, people are actually more drawn to rappers that they believed they're about their crud, that they're about that that action, which to me shows that we've normalised violence between men. And that's awful. That is awful. And then, if you look at the second most common method of killing, which is kicking or hitting without a weapon, 87% of the victims were male. And then when I look at the familiarity in terms of safety in, like, in just walking about, women are exponentially more likely to be attacked by their partner or ex-partner, which is disgusting, or family member, which just, it just sickens me. More than half of their homicides come from this, which is just insane. And very dangerous, which is something I'll probably talk about in later podcasts. Males are actually more in danger from strangers, so just being out and about on the streets. Thirty percent of male homicides came from strangers, which is quite frightening when you think about it. Eighty percent of homicides suffered by women occurs in the house dwelling, so that's in and around your house, which is also scary. Imagine being in danger in your own home, compared to less than ten percent on a street path or alleyway, and all the other outdoor ones are very very low and lower than men in each department males by contrast 25% of our deaths in terms of homicides come from just being on a street path that is bonkers but still we we even myself I'm a I'm a what's the word I'm somebody who's involved in this like I still don't see the same danger when I'm talking to like my younger brothers and my younger sister my younger sister out like I'm tweaking like my good friend Bola like if she's out at night I might make sure you get a cabbie or do you know what I mean like all my friends but with my brothers or my other boys it's, it's like, oh yeah they'll be alright but really and truly a vast majority of my boys have been involved in some sort of altercation on with strangers before that's crazy society we need to kind of rejig how we think and protect our our own and also we change our attitudes towards violence. Violence between men should not be normal. Nobody should commit any acts of violence. And we're the main perpetrators of violence and this needs to change. Males, okay, when I looked at robbery, because I was thinking about muggings, because I knew, like, not I knew, like, growing up, so between the ages of 13 to, let's say, 17, 16, going from one side of London to the other via bus, going through different ends, and surviving with your mobile phone, coming home with your mobile phone intact, <laughs> not being robbed, you had to be on your P's and Q's, you had to be aware, you had to be about it, like, you had to be prepared for struggle. 
and that is normal to a lot of like young males in, in inner city London. But when I was looking at the data on this, it was quite interesting. There was a dis- there's a distinction between robbery and theft on person. Robbery is described as in terms of the course of action of stealing or attempting to steal from somebody by using force. And that's like muggings. Where theft from person is stealing whilst property is being held by the victim or used. So that's like snatching handbags, snatching phones. So from that quick snatch of a handbag or snatch of phone, all, the, all those type of theft from person, those are way more likely to be women. But in actual robberies where there's force being used and there's more likely to be confrontational violence, men are by largely the victims of that which is quite shocking for quite a lot of people probably listen to this and i want to talk about more of like a, as i round up talk about more social norms and society norms that really i believe need to be addressed even things like although we suffer it less sexual assault amongst um um that are suffered by men is grossly underreported i saw statistics today a stat today 96% of sexual assaults being um, suffered by men aren't reported and that's probably a lot to do with how society views, uh, views men in terms of strength and I think men kind of have this mentality of just getting on with things and I think that is very dangerous for us and I'm a victim of that I just kind of get on with things very very dangerous we have this thing where we are viewed we are viewed on our we are valued on our strength and our resourcefulness. So our ability to earn and provide um, shelter, food, all those type of things for our, for our family. Whereas women are more, their value is more tied in terms of aesthetics, how good they look. So that's why you see the discrepancy in how women are treated via how they look and how men are treated via how much they earn. And this, I think both of those need to be addressed because our values should be more i think more derived from character my personal opinion how good you are as a person that's where your value should be from so for men and women but this is dangerous for men because it if our values derived from showing strength and being able to earn and provide that's when you get stuff like men more likely to commit crimes because when you're in poverty the, the poorer you are the more likely you are to commit crimes more like to work longer hours, more like to work dangerous jobs, basically taking higher risk so you could be valued adequately. Which could be kind of similar to how maybe women take more higher risk in terms of, I don't know, cosmetic surgery and all those type of things so they can feel good about themselves or within themselves. Women, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm not too sure, I'm just guesstimating here. In fact, my good friend Bola, she's got a show that was probably... The snippet, I mean, the behind the scenes will be out as you hear this. So go on www.youtube forward slash Bolasol, which is B-O-L-A-S-O-L. She's got like a talk show. She's going to drop the behind the scenes today. But next week, I believe, or the week after, you're going to see the shows. Then they're going to come out on maybe a weekly basis or so. And one of the episodes were to do with kind of the emotional side of with, with men and how we are seeing the society and how we deal with emotions and that type of stuff. And a lot of the men in, in the crowd, when um, Bola asks them, oh, ladies, do you feel like you're, you provide like a good foundation or whatnot? I can't remember the exact terminology. Basically, how ladies treat men emotionally or stuff like that. 
let listen to emotions and loads of the ladies said yes and literally universally all the men kind of scuffed at her and then the girls were shocked but that is a big problem like we need to make these things known and it's and loads of men are raising great points where stuff like we i was kind of i had to unlearn not being able to be emotional or show emotion like if my boy adds shower advice he said that he's an emotional being and now he's owned it like that's him and another good gentleman nigo who's talking about sometimes women may see may talk to a guy and she may be kind of like kind of mocking a guy that she may have known or dated for being like re- like really soft or emotional and as a geezer would you want to be emotional with that person because you've seen how she's treated somebody or she's spoken about somebody who's been like that and i think this is a big issue for men we will we, we'll internalize things until it's too late which is not very good and i can say this for myself i'm not an emotional person my mum calls me a robot <laughs> that's just not me but i've seen the impact it's had on other people for example even my own friends like i thought like quite a lot of the men i knew were like me growing up but then the more and more i grew like as i've grown up and then i've become more analytical i realize that most of them are nothing like me but they've been conditioned to be kind of shown to be strong i don't have emotion i don't deal with it that's just generally me now i just i'm just like that i don't know why is what it is you take up with god isn't it but not all of us are like that and some the biggest or toughest of men you may feel they could be just as emotional as anybody else so that's something i feel like we really need to get into and not call people soft having emotions that's a normal human being thing and that can cause massive discrepancies in society even back to the sexual assault thing it's what i was talking i was talking i was talking kind of in jest with my boys and we realized that most of us have been sexually harassed before but as a man it's like a whole different ball game so like if you're at a club or not out and let's say a a man comes and like gropes a woman that is sexual harassment sexual assault and that is demonized as it should be probably not demonized enough because some of these people need to keep their hands to themselves or they should be chopped off for real keep your hands to yourself you pagans but yeah but the same thing happens it's happened to me several occasions my genitals my bum <laughs> is nuts having but we don't discuss it we kind of just keep it moving why why is that why and ladies ask your male friends if this happened to them been inappropriately groped by a female or another male ask them i guarantee you a good number will say yes why is that not discussed why 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 as men do we sweep this underneath the carpet this is where i think that we need to take some responsibility as well we need to hold ourselves accountable as well as society accountable we should start letting things slide because these things shouldn't slide and also when it comes to our relationship and friendship and our career decisions we need to think more holistically not just on the superficial level of okay i need to earn as much money so i can provide for my friends provide for my family have a nice car have a nice watch have nice stuff and just look look like quote unquote the man and have the trophy go no we need to start being more evaluative and more analytical in our decision making process okay this is his job how many hours am i likely going to work and i like to tell my friends this okay you got a salary okay cool divide that by the amount of hours you're likely to work and compare that to your previous ones and find out how much you're getting paid per hour how much you're earning per hour 
what how is it gonna affect your um health levels how's it gonna affect your stress levels and when it comes to like your dating decisions okay cool she has nice bum nice big boobs she's very pretty she can make me laugh okay that's all fantastic will she listen to you will she provide you that safe space i even as much as i hate that word that safe space to be able to you know open up or like reveal parts of yourself slowly and also is this person analytical enough to kind of tell how you show affection and show emotion and show weakness because not everybody shows affection and emotion and weakness in the same manner and that's what a lot of people get caught slipping on they don't see tears they don't see love hearts they don't think oh they're not emotional not affectionate people show it in different ways everybody's emotional or affectionate to a certain degree we just omit it in different ways are they smart enough to understand that because if you keep picking women in your dating habits on superficial criterion and me and if they did a podcast if it's like number 22 just check for the list in e-commerce of dating and the statistics men stuff like the weight of a woman and how attractive we find them matters way more than it does for women when they look at their male partners we're too superficial we need to dial it down because it's affecting us in every aspect of our lives and also when it comes to parenting thing we need to be start g-checking our friends if your boy or your de- or your cousin or whatever is not doing their responsibilities when i say responsibilities i don't mean the bare minimum i mean at least an equal share at least an equal share we need to start g-checking them given money is not enough you actually have to teach a child be there for the child that's not enough if your boys are slacking you need to pull them up on it and make sure you just and if you're one of those slackers listen, you need to pull yourself up think think to yourself how much actual input do i have in my child's life other than paying bills and putting food closing 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 the back and food on the table because yeah you can make sure that they're fed and they're warm but what's their psyche like what are they going through how will they deal with the stresses of the world that you've already been through or currently going through and even if you see your boys moving mad in terms of like sexually harassing women being too touchy gee check them as well so bro there's a there's a way you can speak to people men or women you don't have to touch you don't you can't touch somebody you don't know you can't grope somebody you don't know we know the rules we know how to behave in this society we have to abide by them it's very very important that as men we start taking these things a bit more seriously because we just let them slide and now we're getting trashed in the media left right and center the media representation of a white man is the most evil person in the world the media representation of a black man is somebody unless he can dunk shoot dribble sing rap act he's basically a criminal that's it we're more diverse than that we're way more diverse than that and it's up to us to push back on these narratives and to also behave in the correct manner and we need to stop normalizing violence violence is not normal getting into fights is not normal attacking people is not normal shooting stabbings all this stuff is not normal it shouldn't be seen as entertainment or banter because i've seen people talk about kidnapping people getting punched up as banter it's not banter this is people's lives and health at risk it's not it's not funny 
we need to take these crimes seriously because it's damaging for men. As I said, we there's not a single place where we out, as far as I can see, there may be a few, there's probably a few discrepancies in the world, but the vast majority of countries, we do not outlive women, and that's not by, that's not by fluke. We do not take enough care of our health, our mental health, and we do not value our lives enough. There's, in society, there's a reason why they say women and children first. Our lives are not valued equally, and we need to address that. But yeah, I hope there's been loads of information provided on this International Men's Day. If you want to have further discourse or just talk about this, just hit me up. Or just t- if you have social media, use the Dishonomics hashtag and just tweet your thoughts. You can cuss me, praise me, whatever. Just let's get dialogue going because I think it's very important, men, men or women. Let's just let's get the dialogue going. Um, what I was gonna say. Also, as I said, as I alluded to prior, I've got a good friend, Ade. At advice he's like now hosting events where men could come and discuss their stresses and their emotions Qu- called less talk so check that out i'm gonna link him i'm gonna link you to his social media and his website some blogs and stuff in the description of my podcast which will be on soundcloud and on itunes also please please check out my homie bola soul she's gonna have a talk show there's gonna be some fantastic topics i already gave a bit away i secretly gave away one of the topics already but follow her on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash bottle soul. I'll link it below. She's also on social media. She does, gr- she tweets great stuff. Like, she's a very good follower, so check her out. And yeah, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I think you should, at least you could do is tell somebody, at least one person. If you're on SoundCloud, please just hit the follow button so it just comes to your feed calmly and repost it. So maybe whoever's following you, they can see it. If you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, whether it be on your iPad or your iphone or your macbook or your imac please subscribe so my podcast comes to you straight away you'd have to go look for it and also if you just give me a cheeky five stars or write a review honestly you can slew me if you want to i don't really mind just just give me whatever you whatever you believe if it's five star four three two one whatever preferably five though yeah just drop a review and it's really easy on the apple podcast app or itunes type of dysonomics and just scroll down and you can put your star rating or you can write a review you don't have to write a review if you don't want to but that would be nice it helps me go up the charts and more and more people can see my content so yeah thank you for listening you could check me at twitter underscore at www.twitter.com forward slash dysonomics and the first i is actually a one so d1s-u-n-o-m-i-c-s i'm also instagram dysonomics and snapchat the same dysonomics yeah so hit me up Hello at Dysonomics if you have any information. Hello at Dysonomics.com if you have any queries or information or just want to give me any feedback. But yeah, thank you for listening and God bless. Sports Social Podcast Network.